the harvest has never been riper than what it is right now. After Jesus ministered to the woman at Jacob's well, the Samaritan woman, he told his disciples to lift up your eyes and to look. He said, you're saying three months and then comes harvest. But I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe and ready now. When we look around through our nation, when we look across the earth through media, through research, and we understand that we are in a season of ripeness to go out and to get a harvest and bring them into the kingdom of God. And it begins for us right here in the city of Gladewater. Um, I want to read, last week we had a uh, council meeting, and uh, in that meeting a, a message in tongues and the uh, interpretation came forth. And I, I just want to share with you what God spoke uh, to the pastor's council, uh, to myself, and also our church clerk was in there uh, taking minutes, and she uh, recorded this and gave me a copy of it. Uh, so I just want you to be up to date on what God is speaking uh, in this new season over our lives. Am I not with you? I say I will work through you. I will move through you. I will love through you. Watch. Know that I am God. Look and see my mighty hand at work. This is my church. This is my church. This is my church. I will use it. I will bless it. I will promote it. And I will move it forth for my glory And those in this city will know that I dwell here and that I have set my face toward this place. I will bless it, I will prosper it, and I will bring my words to pass, saith the Lord of hosts. Can you give God praise for his words? Remember... The message two weeks ago, those that you were here are familiar with it, those that you weren't, you can go to our uh, website, nlwcgladewater.com, and pull that up. And we have a list of uh, all of our prior uh, messages and sermons that God spoke to us. But I used Elijah that morning, and uh, it had not rained, not a drop of rain, for three and a half years during that period, during that time. And Elijah is at a widow woman's house in Zarephath, and he's eating there. They're surviving on a handful of meal and a little bit of oil in a cruise. God had made provision until he sent rain for his man, for his child, for Elijah. And all of a sudden, the the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him to go show himself to King Ahab, the king at that time, And God's words was, I will send rain. At that time, it was nothing more than what God just spoke to us just now. What he spoke to us two weeks ago, and this is a new season. All Elijah had was a word, but he was faithful with it. He carried it. He didn't abort it. He didn't miscarry it. He he held on to it. If we will embrace these words that God has given to us, his promises that for us that are throughout the Bible, if we will embrace them and hold on to them, we will see the fruit. We will see the fruit. We will see the words of God come to pass and manifested in our lives and over God's church. 
God cannot deny who he is. He is faithful. He has exalted his word above his name. Uh, So we can depend upon it. We can know that uh, God is faithful, that he cannot lie. We're going to go to 2 Kings today, 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to read to you verses 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading out the Amplified Version this morning, but follow me in whatever translation that you study God's Word from, or you can follow me here on the screen. Uh, But I'm going to be reading my text this morning out of the Amplified Version. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of a son of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you of sale value in the house? She said, your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not a few. And when you come in, shut the door upon you and your sons. Then pour out the oil you have into all those vessels, setting aside each one when it is full. So she went in from him and shut the door upon herself and her sons, who brought to her the vessels as she poured the oil. When the vessels were all full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not a one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. Then she came and told the man of God. He said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Can you say amen to God's word? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I heard that little voice somewhere. That's... Glory to God, the next generation that God is preparing to deliver his words. The first thing that I noticed here when I began to get into this text and in this story is that this woman knew who she was within the family. She knew who she was within the family, the wife. She was the wife. We are a part of a big, big family. We are family. Look at your neighbor and say, we're family. We are family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sons and daughters of God. But all of a sudden here we see, here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. We must understand that we are the bride of Christ. We, being the church, make up together the bride of Christ. We need to get a mentality when these kind of things and storms begin to arise. I want to tell you what, God doesn't want anything messing 
with his son's bride. And he is faithful to be there for us. But we must have an understanding of who we are for it to effectively work in our life. We must come to a knowledge that you better get your hands off me. I belong to somebody else. I belong to Jesus. I am his and he is mine. This woman knew who she was in the family line. She knew exactly what authority she had. She knew exactly what place she had. She knew her place. We must know our place within the kingdom of God. We are most precious to him. We are most precious to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He cared enough for us that he came and he died and he shed his blood that we might have life, have it more abundantly. And at that moment, we inherited eternal life. We were adopted into the family of God as his sons and his daughters, and we became the bride of Christ. And God is glorifying us and shining his beauty upon us, adorning us, and getting us ready for the reuniting of us and his son. And that day is fastly approaching us, but until that day gets here, we can walk in the authority of who we are in the family of God. Somebody say amen. Not only was she aware of her position in the family, this woman was aware of what her husband had done, and that was serve. She came to the prophet Elijah, and she said, your servant, my husband, your servant. So she said, basically, the one that brought you your coffee in the morning, the one that washed your feet when you came in after a long, hard day, the one that carried your message to someone, the one that went out to the edge of the cliff and looked out to find that cloud the size of a man hand, the one that was there with you and served you. He, that man, has died. The woman was aware of what her husband had done. We must be aware of what Jesus has done. We must be aware of what Jesus... He finished a work on Calvary. He finished a work on Calvary for our lives. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and it is with his stripes that we were healed. It was a finished work. When Jesus hung, he said, it is done. It is finished. The work was completed. There's nothing left to be done. The bride of Christ must become aware. We must know what the husband has done in the kingdom of God. She was aware. She knew my husband served. 
Some of us, some of us feel the pressure of a storm. And we're not sure if that's God's will or if it's not God's will. We're not sure if there's anything good going to work out of it or not going to work out of it. And why is that? It's because we're not fully aware of all that Christ has done. And the best way to learn that is to get into the word that he left us. She lived a life with this man. When we begin to live a life with Jesus Christ, we're going to begin to learn. When me and my wife first got married, she didn't know that much about me. But through the years, if you, she can tell you what I've done for the family. What has God done for the family? We need to know that. That is important. Because look what she does. This woman accessed what was of God on her husband's merit and not on her own. She said that my husband that served you. She came on what her husband had done, not on what she, w- she had done. She was a wife, married to one of the sons of the prophets. She was part of that group. She was part of that family. And her husband had died. She had two sons. And she also said, my servant feared the Lord. She was well aware of everything that her husband had done. So she came and she brought and accessed what her husband had done. When I come before the throne room of God, when I come and I'm feeling the pressure of this world and I'm feeling the pressure of life, I don't come in my own merit. I don't come in my filthy rags. I come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I come in the finished work of the cross. I come in what Jesus has done for me. He's paid a debt. He's paid a price. The work has been done. My healing has been paid for physically, spiritually. Provision has been made. Everything that I have needed, everything that I need, and everything that I will ever need in life, I can come with confidence, with boldness, in authority, in the merit of Jesus Christ. That my petition can be made known to my heavenly Father. And the work will be done. We will absolutely access what the Father has through what the bridegroom has done. She came in a just a humbling way. We can move in boldness, we can move in confidence, and we can move in authority, and we absolutely should, but we've got to move in a humble spirit of love, recognizing that it's all about what he has done and not what we have done. 
What was the creditor after? Think about that for a minute. What was the creditor after? The fruit of the seed. The fruit of the seed, or her harvest, which came from the fertile ground of her womb. The creditor is coming to take my sons. He was after her gift from God. The next generation, the sons of the prophet. The thief is always looking to steal the blessing of God. He's always looking to steal the blessings of God. That's what he's after in your life. He's looking to steal the blessings of God. He's looking to steal the peace that God has given you. He's looking to steal the faith God has given to you. He's looking to steal the joy God has given to you. The thief is always looking to steal the blessing of God. Elijah asked the woman, what do you have in the house of value? Her reply was this, I have nothing. I have nothing in the house except a jar of oil. I have nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. Think about that. If I was to begin to ask you, each one of you, what you had in your house, I mean, just think about the things that you could do. So apparently, this woman had a yard sale and sold everything. She sold the beds. She sold the couch. She sold the table, the dinner table. She sold the dinner table chairs. She sold the toaster, the oven, the microwave. She sold the TV. She sold the refrigerator. She sold the stove. Apparently, she even sold the dog. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing in the house. She has a yard sale, puts a sign up, everything must go. The neighbors, man, how much for this, how much for that, how much for that? Everything, nothing, nothing left but a jar of oil. Sometimes we have to empty the house before we recognize what God is wanting to use. Sometimes we have to empty the house before we recognize what God is wanting to use. While the house was full, the jar looked, the jar of oil looked irrelevant. I'm going to tell you what, there's some things in your life that you've been overlooking. There's some talents, there's some gifts, There's some family members. There's some things in your life that you've been overlooking that has seemed irrelevant up to this point. But this is a new season. Many times when the pressures of life squeeze us empty, the most valuable things of kingdom life are exposed to us. God instruments, which can absolutely transform a situation. God instruments. That's not ready yet. Well, and sometimes we don't even notice it. That jar of oil 
probably sat back in the corner, and she didn't even know it was there until the house was completely empty. It was overlooked day by day by day by day. It was just an item that was just pushed back in the far corner of the cupboard, the cabinet. And maybe they're there laying on that bare floor at night. One of her sons opens the cabinet door and says, Mom, what's this? Huh. I didn't even know that was up there. I forgot all about that. Isn't that kind of what happened with David? Samuel, prophet and priest of the day, is looking for the new king. God says, I've chosen a man. Go to Jesse's house. He goes to Jesse's house. And, oh, man, they're all excited, man. They're all dressed up and got their hair all, well, they got their hair all slicked back and fixed up nice and got their Sunday. My goodness, the prophet and the priest is in town. We're fixing to have a good time today. Man, I'm excited. He's coming to he's coming to our house. He's coming to he's coming to visit us today. One by one, boy Jesse, proud dad. Chest sticking out, standing tall. Son after son after son passes by. Samuel in his flesh, oh, this has got to be the one. He's ready to He's ready to turn the oil up over him. No, that's not the one. Next one, oh, surely. No, that's not. You're looking at the wrong things, Samuel. You're looking at the wrong things. After all those sons had passed by, he looked back at Jesse and said, is this all you got? All of a sudden, something clicks in Samuel's mind and his heart. He said, I've got one more boy. He's out there in the shepherd field watching the sheep. Samuel said, go get him. We'll not sit down till you bring him hither. Here comes this little old shepherd boy in off the field. I don't know. Maybe he just got through killing a lion or a bear. I, I don't know. It's possible, you know. And here he comes. God says, that's the man after my own heart. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I want to lead my people. Samuel says, okay. But there he was, tucked away in a corner. Overlooked. 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 But it was the very instrument, it was the very thing that God was going to set in place to bring his seed through many, many years later. It was the anointing that he was going to, it was the channel that he was going to flow his anointing through to break the yoke of bondage and to set his people free. Glory to God, glory to God. I'm telling you, there's some things that we're overlooking here. We've been just surviving. We've just been in survival mode. But I want to tell you what, there's something in our lives that can advance God's kingdom and that can promote it to a level that lines up with God's word. Somebody give him praise in the house today.
Something to see souls saved. Something to see prodigal sons and daughters come home. Something to see people filled with the Spirit of God. Something that, that will turn the tide. Something that will, that will defeat bondage and slave and addiction. Something that will turn poverty into prosperity. Amen. Glory to God. Something that will turn mourning into dancing. Something that will turn sorrow into laughter and into rejoicing. Into jumping and into dancing. I'm telling you what. It's there. It's there. It's there. Notice what she does. She gathers the vessels. She gathers all those empty vessels from the neighbors. She gathers her two sons. And she gathers herself. She goes into the house and she shuts the door. Is that what Elijah told her to do? Yes, it is. When you gather the elements of the spoken word of God into your life. When you gather the elements of the spoken word into your life, they become the factors that determine the outcome of a process which is about to take place. I want you to get that in your spirit. When we gather the elements, the principles of the spoken word of God into our life, they become the factors that determine the outcome of a process which is about to take place in our life. This woman closed the door on a season of debt, threatening to enslave, and opened the door to a season of fullness, promising freedom of life. Remember, a door has to be closed before you can open it. A door has to be closed before you can open it. There's something about closing the door on the junk out there that sets the stage for a supernatural flow of God which will open the door of a new season. All that negative junk, all that doubt, all that unbelief that keeps threatening, all that, all those addictions that keep threatening, all that bitterness that keeps threatening, all that pain that keeps threatening, that past that keeps threatening, that atmosphere at the public school that keeps threatening. What looms over the nation that keeps threatening. The lies of Satan that keeps threatening. The deception of his words that keep threatening. Jonathan and his armor bearer walked up to a cliffside one day. And the enemy comes out. And they peer down and say, oh, Israelites. They're coming out of hiding, coming out of their holes. Hey, 
Come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Armor Bear says, do all that's in your heart, Jonathan. said, I'm with you. They climb up there. And Jonathan takes the lead. Armor Bear right behind him. And I believe it was 20 men they killed in just a half acre. And that day, God delivered Israel from the enemy. And they were completely delivered. Completely demolished and destroyed that enemy. The enemy was trying to see. They just shut that junk out. Armor Bear's words was, do all that's in your heart. I'm with you. Do all that's in your heart. I'm with you. Jonathan says, hey, God is with us. This is a chance for God to do something big through something little. Once again, here's Jonathan. He's hid. They don't even know he's gone. The king's own son just kind of just shoved back there. He's connected with King David, though, you know. But he's just kind of shoved back there in the corner. They don't even know he's missing. They have to begin to count heads and take numbers and ask for driver's license to see who's not out there. Oh, it's Jonathan. It's Armbear. They're gone. Because they heard the roar of victory. They heard something happen. Good God Almighty. Elijah heard something happening. Remember what he told Ahab? He said, there's a sound of abundance of rain. There's a sound of an abundance of rain. It's threats. We've got to shut the door on that junk. It's out to steal God's truth out of our lives. It's out to steal victory. It's out to enslave us and to bring us into bondage. Pouring out what God Pouring out what we have of God. Notice what she does. She begins to pour. She begins to pour what she's blessed with. Pouring out what we have of God creates a conduit for what we don't have of God to come flowing through and manifest the new season. Pouring out what we have. We've got to come to the place to where we're not pushing things aside. Where we're not making decisions lightly, but we understand that the eternal effect that those choices and those decisions might make and that we don't push somebody off or push something to the side. And and even in our business, even in our families, just everyday decisions could be the very thing that apps. I mean, just like, you know, I could have just kept clipping my finger. And, oh, man, I ain't worried about that old rusty old barrel and that door. I just appreciate him coming along and cleaning up our yard a little bit. But no, no. There was a principle of God stirring in my heart. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And it stirred me to the point to where I made a move. 
But I could have just got time for this, man. This is Saturday. There are things that we've got to pour out what we have to create a conduit for what we don't have of God to come flowing through. Notice, it was there all the time. But it wasn't manifested until she poured. It was, what was Elijah doing? I I know we're talking about Elijah this morning, but what was Elijah doing? Because we were on him a couple of weeks ago, and God used him to talk about the new season we're coming into. He was there at a widow woman's house, living on a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. And God said neither would run out until he sent rain on the earth. It was there in that widow's woman's house, but her words were, on the day that Elijah met her, is I've got a handful of meal, I've got a little bit of oil, and I'm fixing to go in here, I'm fixing to make this last cake, this last meal, me and my son, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. That was her words. What? The reaper had come, threatening her. Death was looming over her, her son. Death was looming over her life. That was her words. But Elijah says, wait a minute. Fix for me first. Here comes the word of the Lord again. Fix for me first. Because God promises that stuff won't run out until he sends rain on the earth. And what she began to pour. When we pour out what we have, what we don't have begins to manifest. What's not there? See, we, we, sometimes we get to just waiting, you know. I don't, I don't know what. Sometimes I don't know what I'm waiting on. Why didn't you do that yesterday? Why didn't you do that a long time ago? But we wait for everything to just be in perfect order. Oh, yeah, I got your peace now. Of course you got his peace now. But when all you've got is this, and somebody's asking you to give it to them, And that's all you got. But poor, poor, poor. Because when we do, it'll manifest what's there. We can't clearly see what's there until we begin to pour. Begin to pour. Begin to pour out a word of encouragement. Begin to pour out a praise. Begin to pour out a worship. Begin to pour out a testimony. Begin to pour out a gift. Begin to pour out a humble act of servanthood. Begin to pour out forgiveness. Begin to pour out what you have. What you have. Not what, uh, God's not asking us to do what we don't don't have. God's not asking us to use something we don't have. He's not asking us to do 
something that he hasn't provided for us to do, but pour out what you've got. Mm. So this new season can be manifested and we can see what's really there. We'll never discover all we have until we pour out what we've got. God's church has enough yoke-destroying power bottled up and sitting on the shelf to turn this nation completely around if she'd only start pouring. My prayer is that New Life Worship Center begins to pour out what she has in this community for the glory of God. Remember that supernatural flow of God's anointing will continue to flow as long as there's a vessel to receive it. What God's putting in us won't run out. But the moment there isn't a vessel to receive it, that multiplying flow stops. It ceases. It ceases. Can you stand with me this morning? Emily, you mind coming to the uh, keys here and just... Start pouring out. Can you just kind of just set your focus and your attention, your heart on God? And let's let's just take a moment. I, I don't I don't want to move ahead of God. I don't want to lag behind Him. But just kind of just begin to engage God with your spirit, with your prayers, with your worship, with your praise, with your love. Let's just pour ourselves into the atmosphere. God, we just love you. Your will and your will only is what we seek this day. Your will and your will only is what we seek this day. We just ask God, Lord, you lead us. The Holy Spirit just flood us, just rain in our lives. God, we confess our dependency upon you. We're thankful for the new season that you have us in. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We're so blessed. You're so wonderful to us. You're so glorious. And God, thankful, Lord, for what you're speaking. God, perfected in our hearts and our lives. Help us, Lord, to be faithful with what you're depositing in us. Help us to carry it, God. Help us to carry it. We need you, we need you, we need you, we need you. Open our hearts to conceive. Open our hearts to conceive spiritual things of God. Open our minds. God, let them come alive this morning. Lord, anything that is dead, God, I speak life into, revive it this morning. Revive spiritual hearts to begin to conceive the wonderful things of God. Lord, revive our spiritual minds, God, to be able to understand the things that God is speaking, the things that God is doing. Lord, to be able to 
discern and to interpret the times that you have us in, God. I pray, Lord, that you just open our, our spiritual speak and bring it back to life. God, for too long we've been silent. For too long we've been quiet. God, I pray that you would just stir, Lord, and anoint our tongues to speak, God, the wonderful things of God. I pray, Lord, that you would just open our spiritual hearing up. Lord, just make it alive. God, I, I pray it live again. And Lord, that, God, we would be able to hear what you were speaking to us. We would be able to hear the gifts and the talents that, Lord, you say we have. And that we would be able to hear you telling us how to use them. That, Lord, we would know where to pour. And we would know how to pour. We would know what to pour. We would know when to pour. Lord Jesus, we would know why to pour. God, I pray that you just open our ears, Lord, to just know, God, what you were saying. God, our eyes, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you just cause our our spiritual sight to be open and to live again as Elias was that day and Lord as he prayed over his servant God I just pray over your church here that God our eyes our spiritual eyes that God we not be blinded that God we begin to see Lord the lame men at the gates Lord that we begin to see the Zacchaeus in the trees that we begin to see the Samaritan women at the well that we begin to see Lord Jesus the possessed in the graveyards I pray that you open our eyes up that we begin to see our spiritual eyesight just come alive God I pray that you give us clean hands that Lord the power Lord the anointing would come alive in our hands that we would be able to do God your word that we would be able to do your word effectively and move in your power and in your anointing and in your truth. I pray that you would anoint our feet. God, anoint our spiritual going. Lord, guide our every step. God, the steps of a good man are ordered by God. And if we, God, trust you with our whole heart, Lord, if we lean not in our own understanding and we acknowledge you in all of our ways, then therefore, God, you're going to direct our path. So we pray, Lord, make our spiritual steps come alive. Help us to stay the path and, Lord, to stay the course that you are putting us on. Lord, I just pour out this prayer, God, unto you today, God. Lord, I'm asking you to equip the saints. I'm asking you to equip the saints. I'm praying for wisdom and knowledge and understanding of how to fulfill the vision. God, to, Lord, effectively and to efficiently advance your kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Impregnate our spiritual wounds, God, with love. Help us to love hard. Help us to love those that are unlovable. Help us to love Lord Jesus the homeless help us to love the poor help us to love the rich help us to love the educated help us to love Lord the ignorant Lord help us to love people Lord you love them help us to love them help us to forgive God and to walk Lord with Jesus Christ help us to come to agreement with you for Lord without coming in agreement with you we cannot walk together with you so I pray God that you would just help us Lord to just come alive God, to pour out, Lord, the prayers, to pour out the worship, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth, that, God, our lives would become a living sacrifice. I pray that you would break off greed, that you would break off selfishness, that, Lord, you would break off self-centeredness, that, Lord, you would break those things that are displeasing to you. Bring those things out of the dark and into the light, God, that your people can humble themselves, pray, seek your face, and turn from their wicked ways so that you then can hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our lands. God, help us to love hard. 
Help us to love this nation enough to pray for President Barack Obama and his family. Help us to recognize that nothing is impossible with God and all things are possible to them that believe. God, we repent. God, we repent before you today for our grumbling, for our complaining, and for our mummering. Lord, there's no reason for that. We have failed in the area. Lord, today we lift up President Barack Obama. We lift up Michelle. We lift up his daughters. And God, we pray, Lord, that you just deliver them, that you bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that, Lord, you fill them with your spirit, God, that you ignite a fire of passion in their lives, that you push back powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, and wickedness in high places, that the Spirit of God begin to convict and draw them to the place they need to be. And I pray to the Lord of the harvest, have a harvester in place, God, to reap that soul and to reap those souls. God, bring this nation back to the biblical principles that it was founded on. Make it a nation once again that trusts in God. Help us begin to pour out the prayers, to pour out the worship, to pour out the praise, to pour out the love, to pour out the humbleness that God it's going to take to turn this thing around. God, bring the excitement back about walking with you. Bring the passion back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Let it live again. Revive us. Spirit of the living God, breathe upon the dead dry bones and raise up a great army. Live again. Live again. Live again. We yield to you, Father. We acknowledge our dependence upon you. God, we need you today. Guide us and lead us by the comfort of the Spirit that you have sent. Help us to begin to allow Him to lead. Call those things that are not as though they were. Help us to discover the jars of oils sitting idly in our lives. Show them to us today. And help us faithfully begin to pour. I lift this church up before you today. Unto him that is able to do far abundantly, exceedingly, more than anything I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I pray your will be done in our lives, in this church, in the earth, as it is in heaven. In the wonderful, lovely name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray and I ask it. I believe that you have heard. I'm thanking you for this new season. I'm thanking you, Lord. I'm looking forward with great anticipation. Coming. Glory be to God and the people of the Lord say, Amen. Can you give him praise? As I said a couple of weeks ago when I ministered that sermon, I actually uh, ran off a few copies of a picture of a cloud with rain falling. When he first got that word, that's all Elijah had.
just a picture. It was just a vision. It was just a dream. That was all. But he was faithful in carrying it. And I told you that day, and that still stands true today. I don't, I, I'm not expecting you to just be all bubbly and jumping up and down and running the aisles or hopping the seats or trying to swing from the ceiling fans. Run around the church. Jump up and applaud and shout me down. No. Because it's only a dream right now. But at some moment and some place in time in that prophet's faithfulness of carrying that word that God had given to him and his faith in it, all of a sudden that thing began to make a sound. He told Ahab, king of that day, he said, there's a sound of abundance of rain. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. He sent his servant out to the edge of that cliff seven times. He sent that dream, that vision, that word to the place of possibilities. Finally, on the seventh time, that servant came back. He said, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. His words was, he didn't jump up and go running out to the edge of that cliff to see for himself. He was already seeing it through the eyes of faith. His words was to his servant, he said, go tell Ahab to get down off this mountain to get back into the city before the rain stop him. They're fixing to be a flood. If he don't hurry up, he's not going to beat it. God's asking us this morning to be faithful with the word. Be faithful with the dream. To be faithful with the vision. Don't give up. Don't miscarry it. Don't abort it. Don't doubt it. Don't let unbelief rob it. Deal with those things with the truth of the word of God. It's going to rain again. It's going to rain again. It's going to rain again. Yes. Let me, before she says something, you can, you can be seated. <clears throat> this is Rose's sister from Tennessee. This is Paula Hill. If you'll remember, I closed that service out with my brother-in-law, her husband, who wrote that song, It Will Rain Again. He's, he's the one that sang that this morning. This is his wife. He came that close to being here with us this morning. But his dad is very up in age and had a funeral yesterday. And uh, he chose, knew his place was there with his father. And I totally agree with that. Uh, Boy, you came close to hearing that song live this morning. This is so unlike me. I mean, I just don't do stuff like this. But I just felt so strong as the pastor was sharing with you today about a new season and about where God's taking you to and what God's doing. And um, my husband has been preaching a sermon, and I'm not going to preach a sermon, and I certainly couldn't do it like him. But this just kept reverberating over and over and over in my mind that this is... This is a word that he has been preaching lately to every church he's been that God has spoken to him. And everywhere we go, that's what we're hearing. A new season. 
a new season, a fresh anointing. And he has been preaching Amos 9.13. Now, Amos is not a book that you read about a lot, but, but this, so much I was impressed with what your pastor was saying this morning. Uh, Amos was a farmer. That's what Amos was. He knew how to till the ground. He was familiar with farming terms and with relating things to what it took um, in terms that a farmer would understand. He knew there were there was a season of planting and then there's a season of reaping. And there's all the things in between that go along with that. But here's what Amos 9.13 says. And I feel this so strong for your church today. Yes, it won't be long. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, Pastor, blessings. Everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. And I believe that's what God is saying through your pastor. And from what I've heard, the messages that he's been preaching, messages about rain. And now the message about the new season. And we all know that between heart, between planting and harvest, there is a process. There is a process of planting the seed and waiting for it to die. There is the process of tilling. You have to till the ground. You have to work. You have to dig up the ground. You plant that seed, then you water that seed. And then you have to pull the weeds because there's so many weeds that the devil will try to plant in our to hinder us from our harvest. But the hardest thing, Pastor, is the last process before the harvest, and that's the waiting. That's the waiting for God to fulfill all of these things. But in this scripture, now in the King James Version, um, it says, I think, something like one blessing on the hills of the other. That God is going to allow this season to happen so fast that it, the season will be shortened. That the, the season between the planting and the season between the harvest, the God is going to shrink the Amen. time. Yes. To where there will be less planting, less time for planting, to where what happens is that the, um, the harvester says to, or the, the uh, planter said, says to the harvest, get out of my way, it's time to harvest. Harvest steps right on the heels of the one that planted and said, get out of my way. Then the planter steps on the heels of the harvest and says, no, get out of my way, it's time to plant. As soon as he plants, the harvester says, no, get out of my way, it's time to harvest. Because God shrinks the time and the process. And I believe this morning 
that that's the word for this church. Amen. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. For my time is perfect, says the Lord. Your times are in my hands. I will do in this season for you all that I desire to do. The time will be shortened to where the seed and the harvest will come together so quickly that I will do amazing things above anything you ever imagined, anything you ever thought or dreamed in your mind, says the Lord. This is the way it will happen, declares the word of God today, and my word cannot will not, never has lied, and it will happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. One more time, give God praise for the operation of the gifts, the Spirit. A biblical order demonstrated by God of the operation, the gifts of the Spirit within the church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Emily, this came to me while Paula was talking, speaking. When the kings set themselves against an army, they found themselves in a dry, in a drought place. And they brought the prophet of Elijah to them. And they were looking for a word from God. And Elijah said, bring me a musician to begin to play. In other words, bring me a musician to begin to pour out. Bring me a musician to begin to till the ground. And it said when that musician began to play that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha. And Elisha began to prophesy and to give those kings a word from God. Amen. I want to tell you what, great and mighty things happen when God's people begin to pour. Amen. I release you to go out this week and to pour. To pour out what you have, what God has put in you. Can we just one more time give God thanks for this wonderful day?